<laughs> Nicely done. Thank you. I've really... learned from both of you because I've never said what <laughs> That's true. That was good. Wow. Oh, right. Season three coming to you soon. <laughs> Doing all the segues. <laughs> Welcome to the Poet Salon, a podcast where we talk to poets over a drink we prepared especially for them. I'm Luther All in Your Ears Hughes. I'm Gabrielle Bates. I'm Duji. This is the last episode of the season. Taha. Oh. How? Well, last week we <laughs> grabbed it up with a Justin Phillip read about guitars the gothic, and good old-fashioned gremlins. And for this episode, we're geeking out about the poem Occurrences Across the Chromatic Scale by Reginald Shepard. You hear that? Occurrences Across the Chromatic Scale. Ah, y'all, buckle up. This poem is titled Occurrences Across the Chromatic Scale, and it's by Reginald Shepard. The way air is at the same time intimate and out of reach, a void with light inside it, turned on a wheel of wares. Stars lease on sky expires, breathes in leisures of sparrows, wrens and casual trees, wet sidewalks twittering with tattered news, old leaves, hollow bones and branches, wind of wish and witch and boys waiting for white kisses, rain of feathers, clouds saving their later. Suppose this sunlight, day split open. Suppose these senses and the information carried, thing and news of the thing repeating place, location of position. Birds, for example, remembered, fluttering torn terms, congregations, shimmer of hummingbirds. But when does one see more than one? Tumbling bright flesh, sky at hand, pleading afternoon, banking on mere atmosphere, primary colors dividing white into three clean halves, red, green, blue bitter, ra blue bitter berries rasp, crab apples crush underfoot. The spectrum says, don't stop there smudged light elapse of attention. There's never enough world for you. Hmm. I knew that I would trip at that <laughs> blue bitter berries rasp, um, which I think mm -hmm. is intentional in that line. Mm -hmm. Can you talk to us a little bit about why you chose this poem to talk about today? Um, yes, of course. Um, I think one reason was simply that, you know, since folks are starting to get into whatever Pride Month um, moves that they get into, I did want to 
um, just simply draw people's attention back to Reginald Shepard. Um, and um, I think he's, he died in 2008. Um, I think he's a writer um, who for black gay lyric poets um, is kind of a crucial voice. And I've only just now within the last year gotten into his work um, and found there so much, um, not necessarily a kindredness because he's wildly intelligent, um, obviously, but um, aspiration for sure. <laughs> Thank you, but I'm still like, nah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this poem is wild, you know? Um, just the, the musicality of it, period. Um, and we start in it, occurrences across the chromatic scale, like you're really gonna do that in, in the title. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, <laughs> and then we move into a line, like in which we have to pay attention to air and like reevaluating the way we just like moved air through our mouths just in saying the title. Like it's so much sound play um, when it comes to Reginald Shepard poems on a deep level. I am truly in love with the way he orchestrates. Um, and so, uh, the, which is to say, <laughs> um, as a second note, I chose this poem because I could choose any Reginald Shepard poem, uh, probably, and just be in love with its song. Uh, but this one specifically, because I was thinking, um, you know, in in any moment, and I hate using that word because it's all, it's for Black people in specific, like it's all a, a continuum. Um, and this is not another moment. It's like the moment ever unfolding. Um, I want to be able to, to seek out and enjoy aesthetic pleasures, um, marveling at certain things. Um, this is a poem that is taking what seems like a simple setting of, you know, this like animal city life and um, botanical life um, on a sidewalk and making a song out of it. Looking at the way that a hummingbird pleats the air, um, the way that light from the sun is divided into these three like colors by the plants that you know need that sunlight um thinking back to um the way that Shepard was paying attention to difference or Lacan's difference um like we i think maybe just the we that's inside me um needs the needs this kind of joy um a lot of times when people talk about black joy, like I'm not sure I know what they're talking about. I don't access joy the way a lot of people can. Um, the same way I can't cry easily the way a lot of people can. I wish I could. But this, this poem and what it does to such a diurnal moment, um, I think does for me what, it, what, what Chris Abani says that 
you know, good poems do as far as giving people, I don't know if he said hope, but some, some kind of investment in existence. Um, and I, you know, I do marvel. <laughs> I do marvel at what this poet is doing in this poem. Um, certain moments that snatch me, if you're curious. Um, this this um, third couplet, stars lease on sky expires. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, the, the, the like subjectivity in that alone, um, but also the consonants, the euphony, um, breathes in leisures of sparrows. So we thought maybe then that, you know, expires would not get its own rhyme, but then sparrows comes. Um, and not only that, but it's caught up in this wild verbiage, breathes in leisures of sparrows. Like the way that the stars in the sky and the, the sparrows are negotiating, who thinks like that? Um, and then, and then makes a musical line out of it. Um, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm no, that's exactly what this is In a way for. that I'm not usually. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then I come down to um, they split open, suppose these senses and the information carried thing and news of the thing repeating place, location of position, which I find both like sonically pleasing, but also deeply um, smart. Um, thinking about um, sign and signified reference and reference, um, how the body participates in this, like it's nothing. You know, the brain goes through a lot to try to make sense of post-structural theory, but the body knows the shit. The body is like, yeah, I smell this thing, so that thing must be nearby. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and if not, it at least reminds me of the thing, you know? Um, and for him to place that intellectual thought inside um, the simple transactions that the body just carries out because it is um, something I really appreciate um, just like as my own kind of Thumbelina who likes to go to the park um, and knows how beneficial it is to me. Um, and two, what, what really kind of made my jaw drop reading this poem for the first time was um, the couplet, shimmer of hummingbirds, but when does one see more than one? Not specifically because of the question of that, because I've never seen more than one hummingbird, just I don't pay attention to that <laughs> fact. Um, but also, how impossible it seems to make a rhyme for hummingbirds, and specific, or more so for the whole line, shimmer of hummingbirds, but then actually pull it off in when does one see more than one as a slant rhyme of Shimmer of Hummingbirds. Like, how do you do that? Mm. Like, when does in Shimmer of one see more than one hummingbirds, like all like slant rhyme. And the my thing is, like, who has the time but also makes it seem effortless to sit <laughs> on a poem and carry that out? 
And yeah, I don't know. When I think about the fact that I didn't get into poetry until, you know, after this poet had passed, it just like really upsets me sometimes. And, um, but like this, to have at least access to this voice now um, is something I'm grateful for. Um, yeah, I don't know. I've talked a lot. Do y'all want to say other things about the poem? Luther, you look stressed. I, yeah, I, yeah, I'm, I'm just thinking about how I want to phrase this, but I, cause I don't know. But the word you said that really struck me was marvel, because this poem mm -hmm. is marvelous, right? It, it seems so beyond what we can think about like the everyday world and life and nature, right? But it's so housed in the everyday life and nature, right? Birds, we all know these birds, right? We all know this these birds, we all know these things, we know what music is, right? And so, but it's still marvelous like i can't grasp what's happening because it's so outside my idea of what beauty can be right it's but it's 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 it's, it's literally achieving the idea of what beauty could be right without talking about being beautiful but just just like sitting there observing the world as the world and then to end up to end the poem with there's never enough world for you first of all right like how dare you say all these things put it in the front of our face right and then say actually you can't get this because it's not enough like you need more there is more i can just give you so much of this that's that that the the, the audacity is marvelous right like everything about the poem is to be marveled at while the speaker is marveling at these birds this the surroundings it's yeah it's infuriating <laughs> yeah i i love that i think like absolutely it's like making an argument about beauty without like without pointing to beauty right like it is like constructed as a beautiful thing and like drawing our attention to like beauty as a way of um attending to a thing right like i think there's so much about like what you can and cannot see in this poem like starting with the title of like right a chromatic scale versus like a conventional scale, right? Like there are hidden like notes within that conventional, quote unquote, conventional scale. And then sort of enacting it with these like parentheticals, right? Like, like showing us literally what we're not seeing. Um, and then like constructing that again to, the, to be this like marvelous, like piece of artifice <laughs> that is itself beautiful, um, the layers. I love this discussion of marveling and I, I don't know a lot um, of Shepard's work. I'm excited to dig more into it, but I do know he was a very prolific and generous blogger about poetry among other things. And um, I've definitely read in there, in his blogs, like about his own sense of possibility and marvelousness in poetry itself. And so I think a lot of what we are marveling at is like his own marveling like yeah. within this space of poetry like he really believed in the possibility of the lyric like as a place where like he, he in his own words like did not feel oppressed in the space of literature and so i think it was a place um yeah where marveling could could be felt and enacted and and the singing that, that we hear here has like got to be a part yeah. of that. Yeah, the, um, the third to last line um, really fucks me up. 
sort of, I think along those lines says, says don't stop there, like just as a line. Um, <laughs> and also just like speaking to the possibility of the lyric, right? Like, don't stop there, just, and then more, and then more after that about how there's not enough, you know, it's just, affects me all the way up. This is helpful to for me to carry it back into um, <laughs> whatever narrative like uh, lockdown life is um, for for Shepherd in this poem, the speaker to be able to say that air simply air um, in a in a parenthetical is a void with light inside it turned on a wheel of wear. So that like really, I have no excuse to <laughs> look at a thing and be bored by it. Yes. To find something around me exhausted and unimpressive. Mm -hmm. I'm left with no excuse. <laughs> no, no, I'm reminded of like. I'm reminded of when I used to tell my mom that I was bored and she'd be like, there's no such thing as boredom, just boring people. And it's like, it really is that, right? It is like, it is this, it is a argument of like attention, right? It is like, it is, it is beauty as a kind of attention. It is, yeah, I, mean, I guess like positioning yourself in that marvel, like, or just like sitting in that marvel and maybe the practice is to like find it, right? Like how closely can you attend um to a thing and i guess like we're veering towards like the ecstatic tradition and all of that but like it really does this is like so generous in that yes yeah also like yeah, i mean there's something you said Luigi, about how the parentheticals are acting as something like an unveiling of something that we missed and also like one so i think that this you said about like who has the time to sit here and write this poem and i'm thinking about that and also like how in the parenthetical there's always some kind of emptiness in the parenthetical mm. that we're missing something right there's a void mm -hmm. there's a sky there's always emptiness in the parenthetical which kind of layers upon like the idea of like you're missing something you're sitting here <laughs> and you're watching the but you're still missing something yes overlooking. Is, you're overlooking mm -hmm. right and it's crazy because the poem I mean, poem mostly is boring, right? Like it's a person sitting watching birds. Like that's boring as shit, right? But what's not boring is our attention to something, right? Like things are boring. Like if you things are boring, but our attention makes it exciting. And so mm -hmm. it's 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 his attention to writing this poem that makes it exciting for us as readers. Not more so what he's doing. I want to watch you watch a bird, girl. I don't give a fuck what you're doing, but I, I want to watch your attention to watching the bird. I want to I want to see yeah. what that means for you, and that alone makes the poem even more generous in that fact. Yeah, I mean that. I second. get like. Go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say that I get kind of like, in a, in a petty way, um, <laughs> a lot of inspiration from this poem because I feel like I have. I don't really feel like one way or another. I don't have to uh, if somebody thinks that I'm boring because like I like go and do this thing watching birds in a power line <laughs> or something like because my interior life is lush and possible as fuck. So <laughs> what are you telling me? You're boring by sitting here commenting on the fact that I'm doing it. Why don't you mm -hmm. shut up and look with me? Mm -hmm. <laughs> right, right. That's exactly what the poem is doing. It's yes. 
<laughs> yes, it is. It is. It is dragging you, right? Like it is doing. And you know, to reference back to our earlier conversation, it is like it's sort of dragging you for showing the fuck up, right? Like how dare, how dare I, as a reader, like sort of not see that. Um, it's like a challenge, right? And it is audacious in that way. I think like this first parenthetical also like a void with light inside it, right? Like the idea that you can make something out of emptiness is, um, or the in-between or the thing, you know, the thing, the hollowness within the parenthetical, like that just is so <laughs> mind boggling. <laughs> Yeah, I I appreciate. We can say dragging. I think the poem is also like gentle and generous. Yes, yes, um, yes like yes. like a like a good teacher. Yes. Um, and this is probably my last thing I'll say about it, but that it really does reify for me that. I come from people who are like keepers of like powerful interior lives because they had to be um, and that to have this poem by Reginald Shepherd that is not saying beauty despite but beauty because beauty um, is a necessary statement. Um, and I don't mean that in the way that like maybe I write arguments and poems, but like this this simplicity of I can have I can have access to beauty because it exists and because I exist and that's it. Sorry. No, yeah, you, you mentioned gentleness, and I am thinking about just like all the S sounds in this poem and how is such it's like a simultaneously very gentle and sort of sinister uh sound to me personally and I, I love the tension of that throughout um so many s sounds in this poem which also makes me think of like air letting out of something and in a poem yeah so much about air yeah it's just genius it's another level this, that that's actually something that I would like for there to be courses on, like if <laughs> on some on some like poetry nerd shit. Um, I really like to think about um, sound as simulation, um, mm -hmm. and got hung up on that at first with the the Gwendolyn Brooks poem mentors, and just have been thinking about it um, in a lot of people's poems. Um, but the ways that word choice can then offer um, a gallery of sounds um, to then kind of imitate the imagery that the words are participating in is powerful poetry craft to me um, and something that um, when I see it, I, I absolutely like humble myself and like want more of it. And I also want people to talk about it. Um, But I mean, there's so much to talk about. <laughs> I love that. It's just an idea. Clearly, yeah, yeah. I'd love to to brainstorm more poems that are doing that in, in a way that we can learn from. 
maybe outside, maybe outside of this episode, but <laughs> that's, that's something I'm definitely interested to. I know that for sure a poem in your book, Justin, um, that I look to as far as uh, consonants and the sounds that words and letters are making that uh, directly tie into the poem um, conceit. Um, the, the poem is the personal animal um, that I'm thinking of. And I think a lot of the sounds in that poem um, are enacting the idea of what the poem is doing. Um, a sort of play, a sort of response to play. I say play as like, play as like uh, desirous play, not like playing like, you know, playground, but like, you know, like play in that way, like for flirtatious play, desirable play. And a lot of the sounds in that poem, um, for me, do that very successfully. Um, but again, different conversation, I guess, for now. But <laughs> did you do the thing? Did you do the thing? <laughs> did you come back to the door? <laughs> what I meant to say uh, was. Right. <laughs> we can talk about it on a phone call. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if y'all got time. Yeah, but, but for this poem, I'm not done yet. So what really gets me, the line that really gets me in this poem that really like kind of just like, like a wow, really, um, is the line, birds, for example, remember. And I think it's more so the idea, like, to use the word, for example, in this, like, luscious poem, for example, is so academic. So to put it like, like, birds, for example, you know, remember, remember these things. Remember, you know, what it means to, you know, place, location. But also, like, in the, the state of the poem, we haven't gotten birds for so long. So it's like birds, for example, remember those birds I mentioned, you know, in the second? You know, so, like, it's, it's, it's a... It's, I don't think that part's audacious, but I think the idea of um, how, uh, again, memory and attention is like really all placed in that one birds, comma, for example, comma, remember, like that alone is a, a big like theory of the, of the poem. Like, remember these things, they're around, you have them once, remember them. Also, remember they did these things, they know these things too, as instinctual beings a part of nature. So it's like, all of that in that, in birds, comma, for example, comma, remembered line break, like. Ah. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's, I, I, I'm with that. The, the line is kind of, kind of annoying because in the way that when you're like talking to a mentor and they start all, they start out on this digression that seems very theoretical the way the like previous two couplets are mm -hmm. and then they're like oh you see this bug birds uh <laughs> so just to like bring it back to this thing that you like obviously took for granted mm -hmm. um but also the fact that this line begins in the same sound that it ended in or that it ends in like yeah. it's just it's so like small and still. <laughs> yeah, it is. And related to, you know, sounds that closet self, I like the whole thing, it wants to remind you of its own materiality, right? Like it, it mm -hmm. wants to like point to the artifice. It like wants to point to its own construction and like, and the way that like beauty is rendered, right? Like, <laughs> like, like that is rot. Like that shit is rot. <laughs> like you have to work for it, um, and it did. <laughs> like this poem does. Like, uh, yeah, 
it's at the syntax level, at the sound level, um, at the formal level. Yeah. And, and that, for example, moment, it does something similar to me as the line, wind of wish and witch and boys. It's like, mm. you can't, like music <laughs> yes. is not made of like hitting the same exact sound over and over again the same way. No. Like those brief like pockets of not extreme variation, but noticeable variation are, are so important to the musicality of this. Yeah, difference, uh, right? Like yeah. it's, yeah, it's like making a difference to make meaning of the original thing. It's, it's not, right? It is not this because it is, or it is this because it is not that. You know what is the absolute fuck you of the poem? <laughs> what is it? Is the word occurrences in the title. That's the absolute fuck <laughs> you. Like, this is just, this is an occurrence of all of this is happening. You, uh, you know, you, you happen to find this occurrence. You're right. You know, like, You're it's, right. It's the biggest fuck you. Like, girl, no, you sat down and wrote the fuck out of this poem. You it's did. an occurrence. <laughs> it just happens. Something that just happened. Yeah, it just yeah, happens exactly. to happen. Like, <laughs> but it's multiple too. So. <laughs> It's not like this is one moment. It's like this poem is multiple occurrences. Yes, yeah, yeah. The occurrence in reading it, right? Like the poem that, could contain multitudes. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The chromatic you scale of reading the poem. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let alone there's no period. Let, let alone there's no ending punctuation. Like yes, there's three of commas. Let, let the people no at ending. home know. There is no, there are no periods in this poem. Yeah, we gotta stop. We gotta stop. <laughs> we gotta put a period on this conversation. <laughs> we, gotta we got to. There might not be any in the poem, but we need right. Occurrences. <laughs> oh. I'm glad y'all could share in this astonishment with me. It was so good to talk with Justin about this poem. Um, like, actually, probably the brightest spot in my entire month. Um, so thank you, Justin. Thank you for being our last guest of season two and for bringing, like, the joy of just, like, totally geeking out about a poem to us. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Lou, you're poking your bottom lip out. <laughs> you're so sad. I actually cannot believe this is the last regular episode of our second season. Yeah. Wild to think that I'm not going to talk to anybody after now. What? <laughs> yes, you will. Yeah, no. We're going to make you talk with us. Um, <laughs> but big, big thanks to all of you who have been listening and tossing love onto this wacky little podcast experiment of ours for the last however long it's been time is a hoax but um honestly we'd probably make these whether you were listening or not but it makes it even more fun to know that y'all are out there taking part in these conversations with us um if you haven't already please consider this your formal invitation to rate us five stars and leave us a quick cute review on itunes also, follow us on Twitter at Poet Salon Pod. And, as always, send along your poetry-related quandaries, traveler's checks, and balloon animals 
to thepoetsalonpod at gmail.com. Leave the money box blank. That would be preferable. <laughs> I've never seen a traveler's check in my life. I don't know. I don't know if they're going to be honest. Mm. Huzzah! <laughs> <laughs>